you know, what they don't want to see is there was some guy in a room who never has even seen this property, doesn't understand costs, understand that. And he's in a sense that I use the term, you know, he's throwing darts at a wall trying to guess. Do you want to take your creative real estate to the next level? I recently teamed up with some high level syndicators to create the first true apartment network right here in Denver. Denver Apartment Network is a group of investors focused on achieving passive income through a creative strategy called syndications. To register for the next event for free, you'll find the link in today's show notes. I'll see you there. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. This is your host, Adam Adams, and today I'm joined with Yona Wise and Chuck Tover. Welcome, guys, to the show. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to see you. Good morning. Yeah, it's great to have you both. Um, I originally reached out to you because you do something really creative within real estate, which is cost segregation, which is phenomenal. It's amazing. We've talked about it. We've touched on it a couple of times on the show, but we've never really actually talked with somebody who does cost segregation. Uh, but before we get started, you're both real estate investors. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yona, would you tell us a little bit about your real estate background? What, how did you get into it and what kind of deals have you done? Sure. Thanks, Adam. First of all, really excited to be on this podcast. Um, you know, I love the other ones you've done. So I just want to preface with that. Some really Thank interesting you. stuff, interesting guests and great uh, creative stuff I've learned. Uh, I'm more of a beginner in the real estate world. My, I got involved a little bit about seven years ago when my parents were investing in a few real estate deals. And I myself worked as a commercial mortgage broker and then got my real estate uh, broker license and was working in order to find deals off market. And that was really why I did that. And that have only been started about two, three years ago. So let me, ask I, you, let sure. me stop you there and get right back to where you are. So remember that, <laughs> that point. Uh, my first question uh, is on your parents. You said that they were investing in some real estate deals. Can you uh, tell me like, was that, were they passively investing in other people's real estate deals or what? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sorry. It was pretty vague, <laughs> but they invested pretty boring, some single family okay. houses and that they were, you know, had a management company managing okay. them out of state. Um, they live in California and their houses are in Nevada. And so wow. that's, that's pretty much, that's all. Yeah, you know, but, you know I, I was, you're saying that's all. But what's interesting is, <laughs> as I know that a lot of our listeners, tons of our listeners want to invest out, out of state. Maybe sure. they live in California. Maybe they live in, uh, you know, Denver or another market like, you know, who, who knows, L.A., uh, New York. Right. And they don't think they can find the returns. And But a lot of people are afraid to go out, out of their own comfort zone, out of their own box and, and yeah. reach out to a place like, you know, I guess you said Arizona, right? Arizona and Nevada. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Okay. And, you know, and Ohio and wherever else that, that are easier to find good cash flow. So I, th I think that's great. And then you also mentioned that, oh, yeah, you brush right yeah. over it. Oh, yeah, I just <laughs> found off market deals. How do you do that? Nobody can find off market deals. So, uh, no, right. so I didn't really find too many off market deals, but the okay. point why I wanted to become a broker was in order to find the off market deals. And as any broker will tell you that you have to just hustle and claim a territory 
in order to find every single property on the block. Okay. Know all the locations, know everything yeah. about it, know every single house, you know, deal in the neighborhood in order to find that one when it comes around. And so since you're involved and you're on the turf, it's going it. to come in your lap. That's um, awesome. And so you also did some fix and flips. Is that right? Uh, right. I, I partnered with uh, a good friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, and did a few fix and flips where we actually had an inside, uh, an inside man at the, uh, who in the sheriff's auction, I'm not going to say which one, mm -hmm. but he was able to get, uh, since he'd been doing fix and flips for 20 years or so, he was able to get properties before they actually went uh, to the auction. So he got uh, whatever, you know, however many wow. he wanted, which he usually took about 10 a month for himself. Wow. And we were able to get uh, about five deals from him over the course of uh, about 18 months. Wow. That's, that's really, really cool. Uh, is there a way that, that someone else could do that? Or like, is it just luck? I mean, it is luck. It is okay. uh, connections. Uh, it happened to be, you know, a friend, a family friend of my partner, who had been doing this and you know being involved and being around and meeting the right people and you hook up you you make connections you find the right things and yeah some of it's luck some of it's from above you know we don't know where it <laughs> comes from but yeah but uh definitely was not my own uh initiation in doing that that's awesome and i want to i want to remind anybody who who isn't visually seeing this because uh, this is mostly on just the podcast. It is also on YouTube. Uh, but we have two guests today. So I want to talk a little bit to Chuck Tover as well. Um, awesome. Chuck, how did you get into real estate? And um, you said you were an investor. So tell us a bit about your background. Sure. Well, thank you, Adam. And again, very exciting to, to be on this. Um, I'm a CPA by background. And I had a lot of clients who were active in real estate. So I've participated in some of their deals. And I've been involved in creating and structuring a lot of real estate transactions from syndications or joint ventures or uh, lender deals, a lot of seller finance. We, you know, I was involved in a couple in a situation where we actually bought a, a, a master lease. It was a hundred, it was a 90 something year old master lease. Wow. And, and we ended up buying the fee estate out in that. We've done that th on three separate occasions. And so being involved in just kind of creatively coming up with some, with some deal structures to make some of this stuff work mm -hmm. and, um, and participating along the way with a lot of my clients who are, are able to find, find these deals and I can get involved by helping structure them and manage them as they go on and handle them when they get sold and handle problems as they come up. Yeah. I want to touch on a couple things that you said. The first mm -hmm. one was that you were able to partner on a couple of deals that your clients were doing. And I think that's right. something that would be good for a lot of the mm -hmm. listeners, listeners to know, because right. um, I think there's, there's a lot of doctors and CPAs and other people that, that have enough money that's sitting there, but they don't have enough time to go and find the deal. So a right. creative strategy would be, to uh, partner with people that are doing the deals and and just come up with a little bit of the money and a little bit of the help, maybe because you're a CPA, uh, of of making sure that the books are clean and organized and you're saving as much taxes as possible. So I think sure. I first I think that's incredible. But you said something called master lease, and we have touched on it on the show. But I'd like to give you an opportunity, if you wouldn't mind, just to help. Uh, give us a short definition for anybody who doesn't know what a master lease is. 
Um, okay, well, in this particular situation, in general, it's where one person leases a property, usually a building, um, and it might be an older building. In our, our situations, they were older buildings, and the current owner of it doesn't really have the money or time or interest to fix the building up and get tenants mm -hmm. uh, and get higher rent. So he doesn't have the okay. What what we can do in a master lease situation is we'll make a deal with the owner. Well, we'll rent it in its as-is condition. Okay. And let's say in its as-is, and I'm, I'm from Los Angeles, so when I talk about like per foot, I talk on per foot per month basis. Uh, I know the rest of the country does per foot per year. But where, okay, so I can maybe rent this for 50 cents a foot per month, and then we put money in, remodel it, really fix it up, and then we can charge maybe $3 a foot or three fifty a foot for the rent, so we can keep that difference. And hopefully over the term of the master lease, we recapture our investment and get a good return on the money. So it's a little different than a standard real estate deal, but that's, that's kind of what a master lease can be. And then what we've done is in those master lease situations is we'll then go back to the guy who owns that, that we're paying the 50 cents to. Mm -hmm. And usually master leases are long. I've been involved in three that were 99 year leases. Wow. Um, so we'll go to them with there's maybe 20 years left on the lease and say, you know, you're getting very little money right now. We'll buy your position out so you can get a nice chunk of money right now, not wait 20 years when you can get all the higher rent. And most of the time, they're pretty motivated to do that. So we've, we've been successful. We, we get into the deal pretty cheap, basically leverage the acquisition of the deal through the master lease. We're not buying the land and all that kind of stuff. So and then when the property's cash flowing, then we can basically, you know, finance a buyout of the landlord through the cash flow we've created in the master lease. So your strategy with the master lease is, is first off, it's, it's something that's already in place. And typically there's already a master lease happening and, and you just take it over. You buy somebody's position out. We, yeah, we've, yeah, that's generally been, we've done straight okay. master leases where we'll just, we'll create the master lease. Okay. Um, uh, we've done both. We've done and this, both. The second question would be when you're doing a master lease, you mentioned something like when it cash flows, something mm -hmm. else will happen. So is that to allude uh, to say that basically when you're getting the master lease option, you see an opportunity, but it's not yet cash flowing. Is that accurate? There's no cash. Usually it's vacant. It's vacant. Okay. Yeah, it's vacant or very cheap. Yeah. Usually it's a vacant building. So the, okay. So that's where the kind of the risk is, so to speak. So um, have you done different types of building? Are these all apartment buildings? Are these all, uh, all commercial? Kind of, all commercial. All different types of commercial. Okay, yeah. okay. good deal. And so if, if, one, of segue, list, yeah. if one of the yeah, list... Exactly, yeah, let's focus back on the cost segregation. That's a great segue. <laughs> yeah. Commercial. Yeah, let, me, let me ask you, um, well, yeah, let's get right into, let's get right into cost seg because you, you both work at the same company. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Uh, tell, tell me, tell me uh, basically, there's a lot of cost segregation studies, uh, uh, firms out there, uh, but what basically makes Madison Specs uh, different from those other cost seg companies? Well, I, I, I'm going to let Jonas start, but I think, I think we need to focus on maybe what cost segregation is, and then right. we can talk about why we're the okay. company that's best suited for it. So, you know, I'll let you start. Okay. Okay. Well, you're probably going to mix and match this uh, video, so you're... Uh, you know, remix it to get it in the right order if you want to. But uh, yeah, so Matt, so cost segregation, I guess, um, is an amazing strategy. And Adam, we spoke about this uh, a few weeks back and you, you tend to know a little bit, but for the listeners who don't, cost segregation is a way to accelerate the depreciation on the, 
on your building for your income taxes. What that means is when you own a building, when you own a property, you have the IRS gives you a gift. They say, hey, we like you. You're, you're uh, giving back to our economy by owning property. So you can make an extra deduction on your income taxes called depreciation, which some refer to as a phantom deduction because it really doesn't exist. Your building's actually not decaying or depreciating as the bank will appraise the depreciation on the building. Totally different. Has nothing to do with the actual life because when you buy a property, that's day one when the depreciation starts over. So if you buy a 90-year-old building and has never been, had any renovations whatsoever, when you buy it, it the depreciation starts over from day one as if oh, wow. now you, yeah. So now you have, if it's a commercial property, 39 years to depreciate that building. Um, if it's a residential property, multifamily or what have you, it's 27 and a half years, which means you can take one fraction of that 39 or 27 and a half um, and deduct that amount from the cost of the building minus land every year on your, for the next 39 years. Yeah. And what's one, one of the interesting thing is you said minus the land, except for the land. However, I've heard that if there's land improvements, like a parking lot or something, then now you can depreciate it. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and what Jonas said is correct in that when we, the concept of, part of the concept of the theory of depreciation is that when you have this building, it's, it will, in a sense, wear out over time. So that's where that, but you, you can't deduct all of that in one year. You have the, uh, the Internal Revenue Code dictates the, what they call the useful life. And it's just, it's literally just dictated. So for multifamily, 27 and a half, and for commercial, 39. And what, what cost segregation does is it's an engineering-based study, and we can get, I'll just go to that a little bit, where the engineer identifies a certain part of the property and says, you know what, part of this part of the property really isn't 39 year, it's really five year. So that allows us to reclassify some of those assets and get, you know, only depreciate them over five years. So depreciation expense, as Yona mentioned, is a tax deduction. And if I can take a portion of the property um, and depreciate that portion over only five years, I'll get a much higher depreciation expense in those early years. Absolutely. So let's say you have a property that's you know, $3 million mm-hmm. um, and maybe you have 20% to the land. So you'd have, let's say, $600,000 to the land. So let's say you're using an apartment building. Okay. okay. So if you were to depreciate that, you know, you'd have 2.4 million of what they call depreciable basis. Okay. Cause you can't depreciate the land. I'll lead into that in a second. And you divide that by the 27 and a half year life. That would give you $87,000 in depreciation expense per year for the next 27 and a half years. Okay. Now, under cost segregation, we're going to say, you know, we can identify a certain component of those assets that are really depreciable over five years. Okay. And another component on land improvements, which is 15 years. So let's say I can say, you know, maybe 20% of those, of the assets are really five-year assets. So of that, you know, 2.4 million, 20% or 480,000 would be five-year property. I can depreciate that component over five years. So if I take that over five, take the 480 divided by five years, that's almost $100,000 a year. So that's 96, just for that component. So, okay, so, so what you're saying is 
maybe originally the depreciation was like 80,000 a year. Uh, and, now, right. and now you're saying uh, for the first five years, it'll be that 87 for the year plus another 90. That well, you just, yeah, okay. I, yeah, let's, let me give you a specific exactly. example. Um, and then, so I could take that 2.4 million depreciated over 27 and a half years. Okay. That would give me that $87,000 a year. Okay. Now, if I, in the cost segregation, let's say, you know what, we can, we'll say just for purposes of illustration, 20% of that is, um, 20% of that is five-year kind of property. And in general, we talk about five-year property. It's maybe the cabinets and carpeting and, you know, television outlets and um, window treatments, uh, all kinds of stuff that's, that's much more portable. That really only has, that was only good for five years. In a, in a multifamily situation, you might have your, all your washers and dryers, all that kind of stuff. So let's say 20% right. of the depreciable basis is, would be 480,000. So I'd get 96,000 a year of depreciation on that. And then let's say another 12% is what we call land improvements. And Adam, you hit on it correctly. Land improvements are usually exterior kind of stuff, paving on a parking lot, uh, landscaping, uh, certain kinds of curbing, sidewalks, that kind of stuff. That all qualifies. So if I, if I allocate another 12% to the 15-year property, I would take 288,000, divide that by 15 years, that would give me about 19,000. And then whatever's left, I would depreciate over 27 and a half years. So um, I would have, so what's left is a million six thirty-two. And hold on. Uh, we need to see your, we, we need to have a fourth, we need to have a fourth <laughs> camera going and uh, on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I would basically generate through cost segregation for the first five years of the ownership of this property, $174,000 a year in depreciation as opposed to $87,000 a year in depreciation. So I'm getting almost double the depreciation in those first five years. Wow. So, awesome. you know, if you guys understand depreciation, you're, you know, your listeners understand depreciation and the benefits, the tax impact on that is huge. That's a, that's a real tax savings. Um, Let's talk, for, for anybody who doesn't know what depreciation is, it just sounds like a negative term, right? It sounds exactly. terrible. Why would yeah. I just want appreciation? Uh, wow. So, so why would anybody want to depreciate a building? Like, what would be the benefits to doing this? Right. Well, let me uh, just add. Segregation itself is a pretty uh, negative connotation <laughs> yeah, as well. And, yeah. and 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 a lot of you know, one of my colleagues likes to say the IRS <laughs> gave it this name, you know, to steer people away from doing it because it's such a good opportunity, a good strategy. They don't want people to all, everyone to take advantage of it, which, you know, tongue in cheek all aside. But the truth of the matter is a lot of people are kind of steered away by that funny name. Um, but depreciation, like you've touched on Adam, whether a person wants to or not. And Chuck, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but are you hearing me loud and clear? Yeah. Okay, great, because I just got a message that my connection was a little unstable. Um, so whether you want to or not, you have to claim depreciation on your property uh, if you own a property. And if you don't, then the IRS will uh, get it back from you uh, when you go and sell the property as if you did. And that's something we'll maybe touch on a little bit later about the recapture tax. But yeah, depreciation 
you know, I'm with you, Adam. I, I prefer appreciation. And, you know, I do appreciate you for having us on here. And, uh, you know, appreciate Chuck for joining us as well. Give his uh, incredible knowledge and technical knowledge. But um, it's a tax benefit. If you want a property, the IRS says, hey, take this extra deduction so you can continue investing in our economy. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about the... Um the benefit of it. So if somebody's some, basically somebody makes more money than they want, want to have to make, and they've been paying a crap load of taxes. Right. right. And, um, and, and that you could pay taxes within your, within your building. If all you did is just buy a building and you go ahead and pay your taxes, you know, that's fine. But with cost seg, it changes a little bit. It allows you to um, basically keep all of your uh, cash flow for that year. And you keep, keeping all of your cash flow for the years to come. Um, and what is great is, that, yeah, that's for any investor, but if you have a high paying job, like a, you just make way too much money, uh, buying a building and utilizing cost segregation, calling these guys will allow you in that year to maybe not have to pay taxes. And, and even better, maybe we can find a way for the IRS to owe you taxes if you buy a big <laughs> enough building. Right. Um, so let's talk about like if somebody's going to do a cost seg study, does it cost them anything? How do how do they get a cost seg study done? Is does it cost anything? Yeah, sure. Okay. It, okay. Uh, it does uh, a cost seg study. We would approach a firm like ours, Madison Specs, um, or a number of the large accounting firms in the country, the big four, et cetera. They'll have engineers on staff hmm. in order to do this. Um, okay. If you're not privileged to have one of your accounting firms as your accounting firm, you'll turn to um, a firm like ours. We, we have uh, a, a team of 12 in-house engineers full-time on staff, and we are uh, accountants like Chuck and, and others who are analyzing all of the details, and we'll go ahead and send an engineer to survey the property. Like Chuck said, they'll break down every detail of the property to its elements, either five-year property, which is classified as personal property or tangible property, those things like Chuck mentioned. And the other second category is 15-year property, which is land improvements. So like we touched upon landscaping, pavement, things like that. And the third category would be the building structure. And the engineer, by doing that, he now takes the tax code which has has detailed um, specifications to all of these types of property and what category it falls into. And so okay. therefore, you know, sourcing it to the code, he'll prepare a, a detailed study mm -hmm. to then s submit uh, together with your depreciation schedule on your tax returns. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, how is it a good investment for somebody? Would you say that actually doing the cost seg is something that however much it costs them to do it, would they would get more of the value out of it or no? You betcha. And if, if it's not, we're not going to do it okay, because okay. we don't want, we don't want anyone to, you know, spend money where they're not going to see a huge return. And I'll just take a couple examples. You know, I just uh, had something yesterday. Um, that I spoke about, uh, which was that a client of ours purchased a large office building mm. um, in Indianapolis, 
uh, amongst a, no a bunch of other properties. But this in particular property, we, we charged him around, it was a $10 million building. Okay, so we're talking about um, you know, over 100,000 square feet. It was a big, pretty big office building. And you know, for the, that study, our scope of work, we charged him around $6,000 for that type of uh, study. And yeah. the returns that he was getting on that property alone was over the next five years, he'll be seeing over $1 million of additional depreciation. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Which but, translates, even, but even for yeah. the smaller investor, right. you know, that, who are buying that, those quite a large properties, there's still a benefit because we can, you know, we can, the, the, the benefits we can generate are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. And, and uh, certainly if you take it over the, you know, the first, those first five years, like we talked about, there's really literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and as Yona mentioned, you know, the, when you're talking, uh, uh, the price of the service itself is in the neighborhood of $5,000, give or take, depending on how complicated, that's an amazing return on that investment. Mm. On, you know, you're investing yeah. four or five, six, whatever it is, thousand dollars for the study itself. And the returns generated in depreciation are gigantic. And one, one of the interesting things about the pricing of our service is different from other real estate services, which might save taxes, we don't charge as a percentage of the benefit. We are a fixed fee-based wow. uh, service. And the IRS likes that. The, the, the Internal Revenue Service has a specific guidelines on cost segregation, on how to audit cost segregation, and we we adhere to those guidelines. So okay, okay, that means you know one of the things is does somebody go out and actually walk the property? Somebody qualified. Mm -hmm. So the answer is yes. We have engineers who they don't just understand engineering and construction; they understand tax law. So they're trained to identify from a tax perspective what is five-year property, what is fifteen-year property. So those are qualified guys who go out and visit the property, which is a real cornerstone element to the process. Secondly, um, it's like we get paid in a sense that once the client moves forward, we get paid whether we generate $150,000 of additional depreciation or $400,000. So the IRS likes seeing that the person, you know, first of all, it's an outside third party preparing the report. And secondly, the outside third party doesn't have a stake in the results. So it makes it much more valuable if the, if the cost segregation is ever uh, challenged by a taxing authority, be the Internal Revenue Service or a state tax or whoever, that, okay, yeah, it's almost like an appraisal. You had an outside expert come in who understands real estate, understands yeah. taxes, doesn't have a piece of the deal. That goes a long way in you know, get it, then getting your cost segregation unchallenged by this and even if they ever look at it. Let's, let's talk about a couple questions that I think a lot of the listeners probably have right now. Uh, uh, and it stems from, is, is what these guys are doing, is this legal? And so the two questions that I have for you guys, Yona, how about you answer me the first one? It's why wouldn't my CPA be telling me about this? And okay. Chuck, uh, after that, uh, will you tell me, you know, is this going to raise flags with the IRS by doing uh, by doing a cost seg study like this? So, yeah, Yono, what do you what do you think here? Um, why hasn't awesome. my CPA told me? Yeah, I, and I get that question all the time, which is a legitimate question. Hey, I own real estate. I'm depreciating my property. Why am I not doing accelerated depreciation? It sounds too good to be true. So the short answer and the long answer. The short answer is like this: not a CPA does not mean that he's a real estate savvy CPA, okay? And we have a lot of clients who, 
they're business owners and their their accountant is a business CPA and he know, knows what depreciation is, fills out the, the K-1s, fills out the tax returns, but you know, is not qualified, first of all, not a qualified engineer to go ahead and do the study himself and may not you know, realize the benefits from lack of experience. And, and that's, you know, it's perfectly fine. Not every accountant is meant to be specialized in every single area. So okay. that's the, that's the short answer. Why okay. uh, maybe the awesome. long answer will be for the next podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah. What, is there any red flags with the IRS Chuck? No, it's actually a very accepted method. Uh, it's basically what they call a depreciation change. There's, there's a specific form and, and no, it doesn't raise a red flag. And there's a couple of different methods of doing it, um, whether you're doing it in the, in the, you know, one of the interesting benefits of cost segregation is that, do I have to do it in the year I purchased the property? Okay. That's a good question. So the short answer is no. Okay. So let's say I, you bought a property in 2014 or 2015, and now, you know, Yona or I are talking about cost segregation. You're like, oh man, you know, too bad if I'd have known about it. I have done it, but the ship has sailed. Well, the answer is the ship hasn't sailed. And we can go back and to, you know, let's say you bought this property in 2014 and you've taken now, you know, four years, 14, 15, you know, 14, 15, 16, you've taken three years of depreciation on it. We can go back and say, had we done the cost segregation study when you purchased it, this is the way the assets would have came out. Uh, And what would the depreciation have been over these three years versus what we took and get a big, large deduction. And, you know, so the answer is even that situation doesn't really raise a red flag because the IRS has a whole procedure for doing this. They have a certain form, you don't have to amend returns. Um, And so, you know, if you're doing it in year of purchase, you know, certainly not just an allocation, but anytime there's an allocation, the IRS may ask about it. And the way we cover the risk is by having our cost segregation study. Because what the IRS doesn't want, the the big red flag for the IRS is, how did you come up with your numbers? You okay. know, how did you come up with your five year? And you know, what they don't want to see is there was some guy in a room who never has even seen this property, doesn't understand costs, understand that. And he's in a sense that I use the term, you know, he's throwing darts at a wall trying to guess. That's what they yeah. don't want. So if you got this co- you know, if you have your cost segregation study ready and you've got your numbers validated, that will get you through the, uh, the IRS challenge process. Awesome. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break, and uh, so we'll be right back. Colorado real estate agents and brokers, are you interested in producing at a higher level? Of course you said yes. So Colorado Brokers Association is the place to be. They offer free CE credits as well as high-level networking happy hours. You're going to find the link to this great resource in today's show notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Welcome back. So where we were, where we left off was, uh, we're talking about cost seg. Is it, is it legal? Um, and we're, we're finding out that it is legal. Not only is it legal, but also it seems like the IRS wants you to do your cost segregation. Uh, so what happens, guys, if you do an audit? Well, ahead, we Jeff. don't do an audit. You know, okay. Internal Revenue okay, Service. What about the IRS? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Internal Revenue Service or a state tax authority audits, you know, if a person's getting audited, it, it, you know, a person get audited for any reason. If the, uh, if they challenge the cost segregation study or the asset allocations, you know, our uh, policy is we will represent 
the client in the audit on anything related to the cost, they get no additional cost above the fees. Um, okay. So if, if he's got other stuff going on in his tax return, I can't get involved in that, but only anything really, you know, anything related to the work we do, we stand behind and we will, uh, we will go to an audit and we will work on that. And just, you know, our track record is, is, is uh, frankly excellent on this. Um, we've had in the last, uh, in the last, I don't know, maybe five, six years, literally a handful, I think maybe five, you know, less than one a year, but maybe five or six you okay. know, challenges on the cost seg. And so far, all of them have received a no change from the Internal Revenue Service. So wow. they've that's... said, great, we, we appreciate it. And yeah, that, that's what we want to see. Yeah. Um, we, actually just, we actually just had one with a client who had a couple of problems. They were getting examined for something else. Once the examiner got in there, he saw the depreciation, wanted to look at the cost seg. And the client said, okay, well, they're looking at it. You know, are you guys going to be available? We said, of course, let us know. They handed the report. And the auditor basically looked at the report, went through, and said, "Great, this is all I need," and we didn't even have to get involved in the audit. So, okay. you know, we have a great track record, and we stand behind our work. So, um, I want to touch on something that I think you said, and just double check. Um, you you said originally that maybe the cost seg might uh, the study it might cost maybe like five grand, but mm -hmm. if in the case where somebody challenges, where the IRS challenges your cost seg study. Um, there's no additional fees that come out of your company, come from your company to um, to play the game with the IRS to make sure that everything's working out. You, that comes out of you, or yeah, that's part of our service. That's wow. part of the service we provide. Is wow, we do not charge additional fees in the event of it's challenged. Wow, that that's fantastic. I I, th I hope everybody kind of holds on to holds on to that. Um, so let's see, um, what makes you guys different from other cost seg? Uh, companies out there? Well, no one else has, uh, you know, a smile like Chuck's, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh, we're, you know, we are in all 50 states. We've done over 10,000 studies uh, over the last uh, 12 years. And we have engineers, you know, placed specific locations across the state so that they can reach every location possible. Um, and like Chuck said, we go into every property um, on tour. Um, wow. That's a couple of things that make us different. Our service is second to none. As Chuck mentioned, the extra service in the case of an audit, we're there for you. Our turnaround time is quick. You know, I had a client a few weeks ago who was, you know, ch challenging, uh, you know, our proposal versus another firm's proposal, as many do. And, you know, he came back to me and said, Yona, hey, you know what, can you get this done when I go meet my CPA in a, in a month's time from now? And I said, yes. He's like, okay, let's do it. And okay. that's really what it comes down to. You know, a lot of times it's, it's the fees and our fees are, are very competitive out there. Um, you know, I wouldn't say second to none, but we're pretty competitive. And, um, you know, the turnaround time. And that's what people look for. They look for the credibility. They look for, you know, a low price. Because in the end of the day, I could choose from 10 different companies doing this. Why should I choose you? A lot of people are just going to go for the lower price. And, and, and we, uh, you know, we can cover that's not what we're all about, but it helps. Awesome. Awesome. So anything to uh, add there, Chuck? No, I think you hit it. I mean, I think, you know, again, that we do have uh, engineers on staff uh, that are specifically trained. We, you know, we have uh, production teams that get the reports out quick. They're reviewed, you know, all the reports are reviewed by CPAs. So it, it's, it's literally from the minute 
the deal is signed with the client until the minute the report is turned around, you got a person who specializes in that in that function working on your cost segregation study. Awesome. Let me let me uh, touch briefly on a couple other things that I had written down. Um, so basically, we talked about how cost seg can increase your cash flow uh, by allowing you not to have to pay the taxes. So you basically keep everything. Um, we talked a little bit about how um, how you can do a cost seg study at any time. You could do it on day one. You could do it three years from now after you buy it. Um, is there a best time to do a cost seg study? I think the best time is when you need the depreciation expense. Okay. So, you know, if you're, if you're in a property that's running you at a loss, the additional depreciation may not benefit as you as much. So, you know, a lot of guys are in what they call the, you know, they want to add value to the situation. They come mm -hmm. in, if something's not doing well and they'll maybe remodel or they'll, they'll retain it up or they'll do something, what they call add value. So at the moment when they're purchasing it, the exist you you've touched on this before is your existing cash flow. There may not be much cash flow there, and it might take them a year or two to turn the property around and reposition the asset the way they want it to be. Once that happens, then there's you know all kinds of income coming in. There's taxability of that income. So it could be that maybe one you know w w as soon as that asset is repositioned, you know maybe it's six months or maybe it's a year or maybe it's two tax whatever that might be that might be the most opportune time to do it because number one, you get that catch up in depreciation. So you get a, you can get a nice deduction in that first year and you're benefiting immediately. Um, you're benefiting immediately when you really need it the most, when you're generating the income because you don't want to create, especially with, and I don't know if you want to, where you want to go with this, especially with some of the um, limitations now in lost carry forwards based on the new tax act, you know, you, you got to be a little more strategic in your depreciation tax planning. So I, I, you know, my, I get my initial answer is what I say is basically when you need it, when you start having a lot of taxable income is when you should be generating something that's generating a large uh, tax expense. Let me ask you a yes or no question. If I were to buy a property that was rented, rented out and negative cash flowing, like typically it was already just negative cash flowing. I was losing a little bit of money because of mortgage or whatever. Mm -hmm. There, is it true that if I uh, used a cost seg study appropriately, that actually at the end of that year I would I could make money, even though it showed that it was negative cash flowing? It, it really depends on what else you've got going on. You know, okay. if all you had was that building and nothing else, probably not. But let's say you have other properties, and if you're, you know, maybe this one's negative, but you might have another one that's really positive. You know, then you, then depending on how you're structured, you know, okay. you have to get a little bit more involved, but you might be able to offset it against other okay. real estate income okay. you have. So there could be some benefits there. Okay. Right? Awesome. Uh, uh, that makes sense. Uh, what's the biggest cost tag study that you guys have ever done uh, with your company? Well, I, I know a couple, but Chuck, maybe chime in because you've been around uh, with the company a lot longer, but I know we did uh, um, a large Amazon distribution center, a million square foot uh, distribution center wow. in Florida last year. Mm -hmm. um, and we did uh, Chase Tower, 50 something story building out in uh, Dallas. Those are, you know, some pretty big properties. Yeah, we've done some big Manhattan properties as well. I, I think we've done some assets that are approaching a billion dollars. Right. So, you know what I like most about your answer, Yona, is that you actually mentioned a couple of giant companies like Chase, 
-huh. and like Amazon. Right. So these guys are smart enough to be doing what they're doing. Coseg must be uh, actually something that makes sense, you know. Well, so. well I'll, I'll tell you something else because they're they're even smarter because they don't they're not the actual owners of the building. <laughs> they're actually the tenants. But um, so the owners of these buildings were not actually Amazon and Chase. They oh. were actually um, you know individual or private companies that okay. bought properties that are you know the Amazon distribution center is fully leased by Amazon the long term mm -hmm. lease and was okay. built for that purpose for Amazon wow. um, okay. you know uh, so yeah it is but you're right a lot of the big companies you know they know what they're doing they're taking care of it you know the billion dollar companies the organizations that are in real estate for many 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 years decades they they know it they're doing it it's not a uh, a new insight for them it's really wow. the people who are listening to your podcast who are new and aspiring real estate investors who have no idea what this is about and they're like is it legit is it not is it real is it audit am i red flags am i not my cpa is not telling me hey just look around and look at the big companies look at the big investors they're all taking advantage of this you should too wow I have another one, one last question that I wanted to find out from you. Uh, this is the creative real estate podcast. So let's go right back and talk, tell us about the most interesting cost egg study you've ever done. Well, we've had a couple of really interesting examples and what we've done is kind of turned it into a pattern. And what I mean by that is we've had really a lot of success in what they call skilled nursing facilities or nursing home type properties. Um, and what I mean by that, so it's, it's a company comes in and buy, they don't just buy the property, they're also operating the business. And when you're operating the business, there's all kinds of five-year kind of property. There's beds and there's, you know, cabinets and there's machines, there's all kinds of new machinery. So we, we see a really high benefit in those things. I think where else you get creative is in the type of asset themselves. And the, you know, one one that I'm always fascinated by is just something as stupid as floor tiles. Because floor tile, you, know, you can take, again, you know, say you have a building that's a million square feet, well, each square foot has a value if there's a floor tile on it. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a, you know, one of the things that you have to look at is how is that floor tile fastened? Is it fixed with glue? Is it more of a floating? Is it more connected but not glued down? And as silly as some of this stuff sounds, those could trigger, the answers to those questions could trigger separating what's a structural asset to a, to a five-year asset. And a lot, you know, wood, you know, hardwood with floors, all those kind of stuff. It's not just the asset, it's the engineering of the asset. How is it held down? Is it nailed down? Is it just placed down? Is it glued down? And once you kind of get the answers to those questions, then you take it, okay, now I'm going to apply this to the next thousand studies I'm going to do. Right. So we take what's creative and exciting at the beginning and we're able to, you know, uh, systemize it in a way that we can mass market it and mass use it and really not just be creative for one client, but be creative for all the clients that we work with. Right. Wow. That's incredible, guys. Thank you so much for your time today. How do people reach out to you if they want to, if they want to use your company or pick your brain? How do they find you guys? Yeah, sure. Well, you reached out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a great way to find me there. I don't think there are any other Yona Weisses, uh, definitely none that look like me on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, so you can find me. Um, He's the one with the really cool hair. hair. <laughs> the big beard. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, you can reach me there. That's a great way to find me. Um, you know, you'll put maybe my email address, my phone number in the, um, you know, in the link on the website uh, for people who want to reach out to me. And um, that's great. Our website, madisonspecs.com is great. It's still a little bit under construction. Uh, so a personal touch is a better touch. Okay. And, and, I, and I'll definitely put in uh, Madison uh, Specs in our show notes for today as well. Uh, Chuck, is there anything you want to add? No, just that, you know, again, reach out to Yona. He's, you know, he's the guy and he initiates all of our, you know, a lot of our client contacts and, you know, he quarterbacks the deal. So he, you know, here's the time to bring in the engineer. Here's the time to bring the CPA. Here's, you know, he really quarterbacks it. So he can, uh, he can answer any questions that anybody might have and whatever he can't answer. He's got a team behind him to help him answer whatever the client might need. Right. Well, I know there's a large amount of people that need to know what COSEG is, and you guys are absolutely uh, great at this. I really appreciate your all of your time that you spent with us on the Creative Real Estate Podcast to go over the knowledge that you have, and I hope people reach out to you on their next big project. On their, yeah. You also talked about um, <laughs> assisted living, which is something I never thought of. So that, that's, that's really awesome. You can use this with all sorts of stuff. Prop, uh, you talked about, I mean, we use it for our, um, oh, where did I go? But <laughs> uh, yeah, we use it for um, our apartment buildings. And sure. I know that you guys talked a lot about some warehouses and other types of commercial properties. And now we've got assisted living too. So it really yeah. is versatile. So if you want to know, if you're not sure if your property um, works with Coseg or not, just reach out to Yona and we'll leave their contact in below. Thanks again, guys, for your time. Thank awesome, you. Adam. It was great. A lot of Bye. appreciation on this uh, discussion of depreciation. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank we'll, you. We'll leave it at that. Until next time, guys, think outside the box. Hey, everyone. Manny Perez here. This podcast is growing fast because of listeners like you. Thank you, guys. If everyone could do me one favor, will you go to iTunes right now and leave us a positive rating? This will help us get more top-notch guests for the future. Again, please go to iTunes right now and leave us a positive rating. Thank you, guys, and keep listening.